Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode 202. This episode is brought to you by Memoria Press, classical Christian curriculum from preschool through 12th in all subjects. We've used a few of their products over the years, and one of the resources that we really enjoyed was when my youngest was doing first grade. We used Storytime Treasures as her first grade reading curriculum. It was a great fit because it uses living books instead of the graded readers that some curriculum uses. And so they're getting the full, you know, the full living book instead of like little excerpts or just made up stories to fit into this reader. And so it was a really lovely program. It was easy to use. It was open and go, and we still highly recommend it. So if you're looking for a little bit of structure to your reading curriculum, especially in the younger elementary grades, I would definitely check out Storytime Treasures from Memoria Press. You can learn more at 41more.com forward slash M P for Memoria Press. That's 41more.com forward slash MP. Welcome to episode 202. You can find the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 202. Today I'm answering the question, what has enabled you to financially homeschool long-term? Have you ever heard someone say to you, you know, you're homeschooling and someone says to you, oh, you're really lucky. I, we could never homeschool because we're not wealthy. And it's funny that people assume that you have to be wealthy or your husband has to be bringing in six figures a year to have the luxury of homeschooling. Well, I'm here to tell you as I'm coming up, let's see, what year is this? We'll be married 24 years this year. We've never both had a full-time job at the same time. When I was a teacher, my husband was in grad school. As soon as he graduated, uh, I wanted to be home and have kids. That's really what I wanted to do. And then I've been homeschooling them this whole time. My husband's been working, but a lot of our marriage, he's been in full-time ministry. And you know, that doesn't, that's not like... (laughs) That's not like the highest paying job out there, right? So we've always been able to homeschool. We're not wealthy. I mean, we are careful with our money, but I want to give you tips so that if you feel like, well, how am I going to stay home and homeschool the kids? If that's what you really want to do, I want to let you know it's totally possible. Like I said, we've never had two full-time incomes. Now, I would say maybe we're an income and a half at this point because I do have multiple streams of income that I do on the side as I'm homeschooling, but it still gives me the flexibility that I don't need to leave home. I don't need to 
put my kids in school. I don't need to find a babysitter. I don't need to do any of this stuff. And I was always home with my babies, my preschoolers, my toddlers, everyone. And that's how I wanted it to be. So if you are desiring that too, I want to give you some tips on how it can be done. Now, if you are are wanting to work or if you feel like you have to work, I don't want to discourage you because that's totally possible. I would love for you to listen to episode 144. We talked with Jen McKinnon. She is an expert at this and she blogs pretty much all about how to homeschool as a working mom. And she has amazing tips for making it work. So just because you have to work even pretty close to full time, it doesn't mean you can't homeschool. So definitely check out episode 144 if that's your situation. And then um, I'll just mention another episode here on episode 178. We talked about what it really costs to homeschool plus six actionable strategies for homeschooling on one income. So this is more um, household finances and how do you fix that so that you can homeschool on one income. But today I'm specifically going to talk about homeschooling itself and how we've been able to be really thrifty with our homeschooling because you know how it is. You can, you look at, you know, curriculum catalogs and stuff. If you buy this bells and whistles curriculum with everything for your second grader and it comes with every little resource and it's like super duper expensive, you could spend like $800 to $1,000 per kid or more on fancy curriculum. And if you're just starting out, you might think that that's what everyone does. And you have to be spending thousands of dollars every year on homeschool curriculum, you know, and that's totally not true. I think the most I ever spent one year might've been $500. And that was to homeschool five kids, including some kids in high school, which tends to be more expensive if you're buying purchasing courses or whatever, but we've never spent very much. And so it's been able to be done really, really inexpensively. And that's what I want you to know. So if you feel like, okay, I want to be a stay at home mom. I want to be at home with my kids. We're one income family. How do I make this work? That's what I want to give you some just really simple tips right now that you may not have considered, or if you're just starting out, this is, might be all new to you. So that's what this episode is all about. Remember to go to 41more.com forward slash 202 to the show notes, and you will find more links there. Okay. Let's start with buying your curriculum. Don't feel bad about going to thrift stores or purchasing used curriculum. There are some wonderful Facebook groups or on eBay or even Amazon. If you can go to a listing, they always show you the you know brand new price. But if you look for used, you can actually find you know decent prices there. I know I've done that. But you know, see if you can buy stuff used or wait for when you know that curriculum company is going to have their huge yearly sale and do it then. But we've always done that and that works really well. And of course, you don't have to buy everything, especially kindergarten through eighth grade. You can get away with a lot of uh, teaching your kids together. You don't need to use consumables like workbooks for everyone. And we'll talk about that in a second. But you know, be really smart with your purchases too. So yeah, buy used, but you don't have to buy something for every kid, for every content area, you know, you don't have to go crazy. And remember the library is free. So if you homeschool with living books, you don't have to buy them all. Go ahead and and borrow them from your library. But here's how it really worked for us. Number two, reuse stuff with multiple kids. I had five kids. I knew I was going to reuse it. So if I did have to spend a bit of money, just say I had to spend a hundred dollars on something. 
I know that by the time all my five kids use it, you know, I'm getting my money's worth. And then I'm going to probably resell it in the end and recoup some of that back anyway. And so plan to reuse stuff if you have multiple kids. Now, I haven't always done this. Sometimes after the third kid used something, a new thing came along that I liked better. So I went ahead and sold that old curriculum and purchased a new one. It's okay to do that. But I did reuse a ton of stuff. So here are ways you can reuse things. Well, first of all, if you're homeschooling multiple ages together, especially in kindergarten through eighth, so for example, history, we used mystery of history for about a decade with all five kids and we went through it. So I had to purchase, you know, the basic books for mystery of history, the four volumes And I think in the original ones, all the activities were in that one big book. Now she might separate it into two books, but whatever. It wasn't a whole lot of money. We purchased that and that was for four kids at the time using it all together. Um, you know, and everyone didn't need a separate workbook. Everyone didn't need their own book. I mean, I purchased the one thing and then we reused it over and over. And so, that was how we made it work. We also did that with science. At the time, I think it was Answers in Genesis. It might have been called God's Design for Science. And we purchased that. And, you know, in elementary, they could all do the same topic. So I just pr- bought one set of these science books and we all used them instead of everyone having to have third grade science, fourth grade science, fifth grade science. There was no point in that. And so that really saves a lot of money. Also, you know, doing the same thing with things like Bible or um, learning a foreign language. The cultured kid has one subscription price. You can find them at 41more.com forward slash culture. And if you purchase that, everyone in your family all at the same age can use that for one price. So that's the way you can really make good use of your money. In addition to combining multiple ages in your homeschooling approach, you can also reuse your curriculum in another way. So if you do have a workbook, don't have your kids write in it, have them use their own paper, or you can even put it in like a dry erase sleeve and have them use it that way. And then you can reuse it for the next kid without having to purchase another workbook the next year. You know, if they were doing something um, grade specific, like language arts or something. Another wonderful approach is notebooking. And when you use notebooking, you can take any book, whether it's a textbook, living book, whatever you're learning from. So say you're using Apologia Science, which my fourth grader is using. She's studying using the anatomy and physiology book this year. Well, instead of purchasing a workbook for her, we're just doing notebooking where she is drawing the diagram of whatever system is being described that day and labeling it and then writing a sentence or two about what she's learned. And my kids did this throughout the year also with mystery of history and whatever science they were learning with Bible, um, anything that we did together, we generally use notebooking. Now you can just purchase simple note, like it is just a notebook. It becomes like a journal or, you know, just a notebook that your kids write in. You can use loose leaf paper that you put in a three ring binder. You can purchase notebooking pages, or you can go to four one more.com forward slash notebooking. And that will send you over to the free resource hub of our friends at notebookingpages.com, where you can download 3000 absolutely free notebooking pages and print them out and use them. And that saves you from having to buy workbooks every year for history, science, fine arts, like whatever you're studying, holidays, whatever stuff you're learning about. That's an excellent way to be super thrifty. Don't buy the consumable stuff. Go ahead and 
you know, find your resource. It could even be free from the library and then free notebooking pages. And you can homeschool most of your kids K through eight for free doing it that way. So buy used or really deep sales, reuse your stuff with multiple kids by teaching multiple ages together, reusing your curriculum in any way you can. And then of course, don't forget to resell when you're done. I've met so many homeschool moms who, you know, have graduated their last kid and they still have this huge library of homeschool materials. And I guess it's because it does become special to you looking at your library of homeschool resources. You're like, oh, it reminds you of the good days and you kind of don't want to get rid of it because it's kind of special. Or maybe you think, oh, I'll save it for my grandkids. I've started to realize, look, when my kids have kids, if they homeschool, they're going to want to get the newest thing. Like they're not going to want something that's 20 years old. So honestly, I'm not saving much. I mean, maybe a few things here and there, but I think it's just better to resell it when you're done. Try to recoup some of that money. Plus it helps you declutter. You don't want to end up moving and then have this whole homeschool library where half of it is like you haven't used it for 10 years. So go ahead and resell it when you're done. That really helps you to be able to homeschool long-term because it gives you that money back in your pocket that you can use for what you need currently in this season. So those are the main strategies specifically related to homeschooling and being able to do it, you know, long-term on one income. But I'll just branch out really briefly and say, um, I do have a, like a living on one income strategy guide you can find in the library at 41more.com forward slash library. But don't be afraid to shop at thrift stores for your clothing and your home decor and things like that. I mean, your kids are going to be fine. And so that is one way we've also been able to do it. I don't go out and buy new furniture. I don't buy a new wardrobe every season. My kids never have a new wardrobe. We're fine with it. You know? So if you can live like that, it helps you to be able to have the money that you need for homeschooling expenses. But of course, it doesn't hurt to bring in a little bit of side income. And so if you feel like you want to do that, consider what you could offer. You know, I teach piano lessons, but I've limited myself to one day a week because I don't want it every day, someone coming to my house. I don't want that kind of hanging over my head. So I've said, okay, Tuesdays are my piano day. And, you know, it's a nice side income that I can do from home. Maybe you have a skill like that, or maybe you can babysit other kids, or maybe you... um want to do things like I do also selling on Etsy or a local vendor booth, or, uh, maybe you can tutor kids in that are go to school. Maybe you can offer to be a tutor, like whatever you can figure out that people would pay you for. That's a great way to bring in a little bit of side income. So that's just a little bit of what has enabled us to financially homeschool long-term. And I just want to encourage you that if you want to homeschool long-term, you really can do it even on a tight income, even on one income, tight budget, it's doable. If you want to work outside the home or you feel like you have to, that's doable too. Check out episode 144 with Jen McKinnon, but definitely head on over to the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 202, where I will give you more information and links that you can check out. Thanks for joining us today. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.